Sabar, and today is Wednesday, December the 14th, 2016, and this is Urban Talk Radio 103.5 FM WNHHLP, where you will hear conversation, information, education, inspiration, motivation from the American urban perspective. Urban Talk Radio is also being simulcast on New Orleans Talk Network Radio, NOTN, an interactive media website that features 24-hour radio, video streams, article blogs, and information on social living and current news. According to the New Orleans Advocate, the city of New Orleans engaged in over $500 million of road sewage projects in 2016. And right here in New Haven, construction projects continue to emerge, such as the $70 million replacement of the J.W. Gibbs Laboratory at Yale University and the proposed $100 million for housing and commercial development in the Hill area of New Haven. Some New Haven City projects include the $44 million construction of Strong School. Has construction and construction business changed since the old days, and if so, how? Today on Urban Talk Radio, we are talking about the future of urban construction. You can join the conversation on Facebook at Bold Minds and Twitter at Bold Minds. You can also stream this show live on your smartphone or computer by logging on to newhavenindependent.org. Today, our in-studio guest is Vincent Giordano, the vice president of Giordano Construction, and Lil Snyder, who is the director of the New Haven Small Contractor Development Program. Good morning. Good morning, Shafiq. Good morning, Shafiq. So we'll start our show right off with you, Mr. Giordano. Uh, You are the vice president of Giordano Construction. And tell us, or tell the listeners out there actually, you know, the history of Giordano, if you could, a brief history. I, I've heard it. It's, it's an exciting story. <laughs> and um, and then we'll talk about how you got involved in construction. Sure. Well, thank you very much, uh, Shafiq. Um, we are now uh, a four-generation company, uh, which which really uh, has its roots in, in beginnings uh, shortly after the Second World War. <clears throat> and uh, when my father got grandfather actually got very involved in the housing program for returning GIs. Um, since then, uh, school, the very first phase, if you will, of school construction um, came into being as a result of the baby boom. And um, <clears throat> my father transitioned, if you will, uh, to a degree from housing to commercial construction as he got involved in school. That, that was our first involvement or the company's first involvement in school, in school construction. Um, as the school construction started to wane in the housing market, public housing mostly at that particular point in time as it related to our firm, um, came started to uh, become stronger. Uh, we got very much involved with local housing authorities, uh, with HUD, Connecticut Housing Finance Authority, with uh, uh, some public housing. Um, <clears throat> so we did that and are still doing that actually uh, with, uh, with the New Haven Housing Authority primarily. And, um, but as we transitioned or started to transition through the high uh, point of the housing period, then the school construction 
started to come back in the sense that we were now rebuilding and renovating the schools that we had built uh, earlier on. Um, and that uh, actually transitions into the uh, current school construction program uh, across the country. But the city of New Haven, as many people realize, was a forerunner um, in uh, major uh, school construction renovation and replacement. And that, that program began in the city approximately 15 years ago. We were uh, in on the leading edge of that with uh, Hill House High School and and now, uh, as Shafiq mentioned, um, <clears throat> where uh, we, we were successful, actually we associate, associated with uh, Shafiq's firm, uh, Echo Urban Pioneers, and we were successful in um, being awarded the, uh, the newest school in the citywide school construction program that so far has, has built or replaced um, 42 schools. It, it might even be, I think the total number might be closer to 45 um, but the latest one is a strong school um, at the Southern Connecticut campus. Um, and uh, our firm, in conjunction with our associate, Echo Urban, we're, we're just recently awarded that school. So we're very excited about that. As far as my personal involvement in the construction T- company. Tell us about the brick story, as you left that out. Tell us about the bricks. The bricks? Grandfather had. Oh, well. Um, when my grandfather came here from Italy back in there the, you, there you go. back in the twenties, uh, he was a Mason and, um, he, um, actually was struggling for a little while in the United States trying to support his family. Uh, but he began, um, building, um, chimneys and stone walls and sidewalks, uh, you know, across, uh, across our community. And, uh, in order to support that, uh, he, of, of course, needed cement. And <laughs> uh, so he established a little cement platform um, in his backyard, and that, uh, you know, he used that to supply his needs for his masonry um, projects. And that grew, you know, before he knew it, many other contractors, small contractors at that time in town were buying cement from him. And, and that actually um, sprung into uh, another company that we owned, and that's Branford Building Supply. And uh, now it's a full-blown, um, and it has been for years, um, lumber supply company. And uh, so when my father came along, uh, he joined my grandfather in the construction business. And, uh, and, and then it grew, as I said. It started to grow after the war. Powerful. So I want to turn over to, to, to Lil now. But before I do, uh, for the people out there understanding construction, so... At least for Connecticut, I don't know for all of the country, but I do know it is a federal uh, standing that the federal government has a classified companies that are either majority owned by African American or majority owned at least nationwide by Hispanics or Latinos or Native American Indians or even in some cases what they're considered um, people that might be classified as disabled the federal government classifies them as a disadvantaged um, construction entity. The state of Connecticut, state of Connecticut classifies also such statuses as a minority business entity or, or an MBE. So 
if you were to go out and start a construction company, and let's just say you were African-American or you were Hispanic Latino and you own over 51% of the company, you would have to classify or you would be encouraged, strongly encouraged to register with the, the DES at the state in order to be classified as an MBE or a H, the HBE, I'll let you finish telling this, this story, but the bottom line is this. By by right of the definition of the state guidelines, the state actually makes the classification of who's an MBE and who's not. And as a result of that, often that sends a lot of business or businesses your your direction, correct? Correct. Correct. What um in public contracting, uh, which is sort of a different entity than private, uh public dollars uh, the state of Connecticut had decided, along with New Haven for years, that we wanted to make sure that uh, a certain percentage of work was going to uh, MBEs and WBEs. And the MBEs have a certain definition that was established by state statute. Uh, it also includes uh, Iberian Peninsula. It also includes American Indians. There's a, there's a long list, and that was determined by state statute. And so when we... Uh, as a municipality are doing any type of public construction, we have a mandate to make sure that a certain percentage of that work is being offered to uh, MBEs and to WBEs. As Shafiq said, the state, uh, the Department of Administrative Services, are the ones that issue that certification. Uh, A local company would apply to them. They do their due diligence and reviewing to see if you meet the qualifications as determined by the state statute, and they issue you a certificate, which then, when you're going out to uh, bid on public dollars, on a public dollar project, you show that certificate and you get certain assistance, uh, either a percentage uh, towards your your bid or your bid uh, in a set-aside program. And that allows, actually, for the smaller companies uh, an advantage in that because they're not bidding against the big guys. They have an opportunity to get into the construction industry, which is a very tough industry. It, it's not easy, and it gets tougher every day. As After 2008, when our economy changed, uh, it got tougher and tougher for the small guy to get into the construction industry. I'm sure as Vinny will relate. It's even tough for him being one mm-hmm. of the bigger guys. Um, no but, question. Yeah. And so um, this isn't a way for us here in Connecticut, and actually almost every state has a similar type of program. But here, us here in New Haven have been committed uh, for a long time to helping our local small and minority contractors. And this is just one way uh, that we work with our small businesses, our local small minority businesses, to make sure that they're part of the economy, that they're part of the public dollars that we're spending uh, in construction. If you're just joining us today on Urban Talk Radio, we are talking about the future of urban construction. You can join the conversation on Facebook at Bold Minds and Twitter at Bold Minds. You can also stream this show live on your smartphone or computer by logging on to newhavenindependent.org. Remember, Urban Talk Radio is also being simulcast on New Orleans Talk Radio Network, NOTN, an interactive media website that features 24-hour radio, video streams, articles, blogs, and information on social living and current news. 
I want to turn the focus to really just a a relaxed conversation about construction because there's so many things going on in our society, uh, conversations about immigration now um, in the post-election. There's if you know more conversations about reentry, people coming home from prison, and they're being encouraged to get involved in construction or do construction labor and, and these type of things. Uh, I'll turn it back to you, uh, Mr. Giordano. You know, your your grandfather, you know, started off immigrant, um, you know, trying to feed his family and has, you know, four generations later, literally has a legacy of a construction dynasty, if you will. Um, you know, what what advice do you have for, you know, the the modern day immigrant, you know, or the modern day person who is they're really good at sheetrock. They're really good at, they're a really good painter. You know, they painted all the houses in the neighborhood per se. And they're thinking about, you know, this may not be a bad idea. I think I want to, I want to turn this into a business. Well, I think your last statement is the key one. And that's, do they want to turn it into a business? You know, there's businesses, you know, there's guys who could hang sheetrock and there's that same person who, now has a business and, and, and hangs a great deal or more sheetrock as, or as a result through, through his business. And um, I think that's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there struggling um, individually and as a group um, making ends meet and they have a particular skill in a trade and they're out there plugging every day with that skill in trade and, and hoping to, to make ends meet. And then there's another group of people that quite frankly, we're trying to reach out to, uh, who might have a better sense of business, of growing, of increasing capacity as it relates to their particular skill. And that's where the business aspect of it comes into play. And um, I will say that uh, in, in public construction, as Lil just uh, was talking about a few minutes ago, there's a process um, that um, uh, needs to take place, uh, particularly with a, um, a minority firm or a small business firm, and that's a registration process that starts with the state, uh, with the Department of Administrative Services. But even to be able to do that, you have to have a certain amount of business acumen. You have to have an organization in a structure. And, you know, then you achieve that registration and ostensibly you're off and running. And then you combine your your business acumen with your skill set and hopefully you can, you can grow. And, um, I think that's the advice I would have for new companies starting out is to elaborate on, to promote their skill set to the next level, always reach to a higher level And the uh, business component obviously is what enables that. So, if you go online and check the DAS website, it gives you uh, an area to go register for for new companies if you want to become certified or you want to get your 
your uh, MBE status. And then if you go to the New Haven website, there will be a section about small business entities, correct? Small business entities. And sometimes there's miscommunication where somebody might be registered at the state and they are actually able to still do business, say, in New Haven in other places, and they're going to continue to do what they want to do. But then when it comes down to some private some private contracts that have city money or state money or federal money, and then the, the actual city contracts, that company might be not able to either bid or be less likely to get a bid because they're not registered with your program. Exactly. So so I have a business. Unless I'm just gonna say I'm Bob the Builder, right? That's a good that's a good <laughs> clean radio. Uh was it who was it Bob Cartoon the, show. Yeah, it was Bob the Builder's cartoon show. Yeah. Bob the and it was Bob the Plumber was <laughs> President Obama's guy. I don't know who uh, right. President Trump has, who was his guy, Bob somebody, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I'm Bob the Builder I, I'm a great sheetrock guy. I could hang sheetrock. Uh, I'm pretty good with numbers. I got a bank account as a DBA. I'm doing business as Bob the Builder. Uh, I might be keeping my receipts in a separate shoebox, and I'm, I'm, I'm even keeping a little contracts on the side. And now I just registered. I don't have all my paperwork together. I'm going to come see you, Lil, and I'm going to knock on your door or call you, and what's going to happen? What, what What's the process going to be for me now? What what we find um, is that a lot of times uh, Bob the Builder will come in and he hasn't really researched uh, uh, the, the concept of doing public work because it is so different from doing residential Give work. an example. Give an example. Uh, public work, he has been working in going uh, in doing home remodeling. And he will put on porches or he'll remodel kitchens or he will redo uh, bathrooms. And he's very successful. And he figures, oh, you know what? I see all this work going on in New Haven. I'm going to go down to City Hall and I'm going to do whatever it is that I have to do so that I can get some of this work. Not having really sat and thought through what um, is necessary to do a public job. And that's where we start. We start with first... Let, let me tell you about what the requirements are to work on a public job. Because our, our world has changed. Uh, th- we have to have so many insurances. We have to have so many safety precautions. Right. Name, name them, so uh, a few of them. Of, uh, let's say with, with uh, safety precautions. Over the years, OSHA has, because of all the accidents that happened in the past, because of the fatalities, uh, OSHA has become very, very cautious about public work. Actually, have all kinds of work, but there are regulations on public work. You have to have certain safety training, OSHA 10, uh, to even step foot on a public job. And then over the years, you have to keep that certification up. You have to keep that training up. Yeah, you have to have uh, training on if you're going to do any type of asbestos abatement. You have to have training on how to wear uh, the belts if you're working on scaffolding. Uh, all kinds of all to protect the worker and to protect the company as well as to protect the owner and to protect the taxpayer dollars. All of which you have to have before you even set foot on a public job. Uh, You have to have insurances. You have to have liability insurance. You have to have automobile insurance. You have to have workers' comp insurance. 
all of which adds to the cost of starting your business, all before you even make your first mm. dollar. It eats the dollar. It eats the dollar. <laughs> yeah. And, and unfortunately, and, you know, and I've seen it happen because um, I've been there myself where you're the worker and you see your boss gets this check for $15,000 from whoever he's working for. And you say, you know what? I can do that, what my boss is doing. I can take that check without looking at, oh, realizing that you have to pay uh, taxes. You have to pay uh, the taxes, the health care benefits, all kinds of stuff that go into running your own business. So the first step, and sometimes people say, oh, Lil, you're such a downer. Yeah, I came in to talk to you about... Debbie uh, Downer. Yes, <laughs> Lil, the downer. <laughs> but, it's, but, what I, but what we strive to do initially is to give everybody that basic information. I don't want to set them up for failure. I don't want to paint them a rosy picture that this is easy, because I'm sure as Vinny will tell you, it's far from easy. Mm. It's it's a struggle every day. And as the small business, you're everything. You're, you know, chief cook, bottle washer, garbage disposal, you name it, you have to do it. And these are the things that when uh, Bob the Builder walks in, we first sit down and talk about, let me tell you what it entails getting a contract with the city of New Haven. Mm -hmm. And then once you do that and um, and you're still interested we give you an application uh, to fill out, to go over, as Vinny said, um, your, the documents that you need, uh, your tax returns, your OSHA certificates, your licenses, if you're a plumber, an electrician, all those documents that make you um, a real business. And then once you do that, then you're registered into our database, and our database focuses on construction and construction-related projects with the city of New Haven. It's not for the private developer uh, who's, who's doing something with his own money. Our program is for any uh, construction project that has any type of assistance from the city or the state. And with that, then we work with you to, we offer this, Bob the Builder uh, the opportunity to know what's going on in every single project, public project in New Haven. And we email, well, we email like crazy. So everything that's going on, uh, Bob the Builder will get an email. And, it, and it's funny how our world has changed. When, when we started with this current program, our big thing was to make sure everybody had a fax machine because we wanted to make sure you got quick access to all the opportunities. And we would talk about our contractors um, you got to get a fax machine. You got to get a fax number. And we talked. Remember those days, Vinny? Oh, yeah. and, and we talked about the extra line that was needed. And then with within fifteen years, all that has gone away. Nobody really uses the fax machine anymore. It's all email, and which is another um, stepping stone because some small contractors haven't gotten into the fact that in public work everything is electronic. Even now, um, most of the bid documents are electronic. So all that is a learning curve for, some, for a small business that wants to get into the public world because everything is electronic. Even the bid submittals are electronic now. We still, um, in New Haven, accept hard copies, but we're going in the direction where everything will become totally electronic. And, and that's a whole new world for, some, for, a, for a small business. 
So there is a real lot that we focus on um, because of our cha- our world these days changes every day. You know, a lot of larger firms say that, uh, I've heard two things in the industry. One, if you can get the bid number right, chances are you know how to build it. That was one I've heard. And then I've heard another is, uh, if you can do the paperwork, <laughs> that, yeah, that's almost more important than you building it. <laughs> that's a tough one. Because if you don't do the paperwork, you're not going to get paid. All right. Uh, Vincent Giordano, just share, if you could, not, maybe, not, the, not the company's four-generation secrets, but for the company that is out there and that needs to go to the New Haven office to fill out their paperwork to be part of the small contractors program, or they're not sure how to go about the DAS, but they're still doing good work, still love what they do, committed, want to get it right. And at some point, they're going to knock on the golden doors of Giordano and say, hey, listen, this is who I am. Here's all my stuff. <laughs> I really, really want to work with your company. I really, you know, I can do great work. It's proven. Everybody knows the work I do. And you're going to look at it and go, wow, this, this, this company is incredible. But I need you to do what? You might be talking about mentoring, uh, uh, support. Uh, first of all, the recognition, as you mentioned, uh, that a company can do good work is, is paramount because we're here for four generations in the school construction program for 15 years now going to our ninth school because we do good work. And it's a quality-based um, company. And, and the key to being a quality-based company is to have quality-based contractors, regardless of whether they're large, small, or otherwise. So the first thing that you mentioned is key. Skill set. Can you do good work? Now can you do the paperwork to get credible uh, to actually perform on our projects? If you need... If, if we know you as a good contractor, someone that we want you to work with, that we want to work with, then we will, and we have, and we will continue to assist if it's, if, if it's necessary in the preparation of some of the paperwork. As example, going forward in the, what we call the pre-construction process of the strong school, which is everything that takes place leading up to actually putting the shovel in the ground. We are committing ourselves to helping prepare more contractors, more small contractors for, for performing. People that we've worked with or we've seen work before that we would like to participate on our project. So you're shoring up. That's your, your way of shoring up the companies before the launch. You're right. Shoring up the companies before the launch and, and actually our program <clears throat> with um, Echo Urban Pioneers is, is to reach out to these companies, um, produce some workshops, if you will, during our pre-construction period to help shore up these companies' knowledge and paperwork and ability to get certified either through the, 
either through initially through the state program and then through uh, sm- small business uh, through Lil's program. So that on bid day, the companies that we've identified and they've identified to participate will come to us and actually bid on the project with a credible bid, knowledge with knowledge of what it takes to not only hang that piece of sheetrock, but the document, the process, so that they pay the taxes, so they pay all the expenses and wind up with a profit. Right. And after they, after the uh, audit. <clears throat> after the audit. <laughs> after the audit of the uh, work of the, what right. is it, of the insurance audit. <clears throat> Did you hang a thousand pieces? Right. No, I only right. hung. Uh... Right, right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. So, you know, our society is transitioning, right, wrong, or otherwise, from scraping by, making a living, paying our expenses, supporting our family to seeing other people out there and other firms out there who have ascended beyond that and now they have money to invest, take a vacation, what have you. Everybody, most companies are aspiring to that. Right. So Is we, it still lucrative? Is it still, you've, you've done it for four generations. Is it Not nearly as lucrative as it was before. But still lucrative. Be, before 2008. It's, um, it's less lucrative. It's, you know, we're still here. Um, I won't say that we're anywhere near as profitable as we used to be, um, but, you know, we're committed to the industry. We're committed to the city of New Haven. We're committed to our employees, to our families. Uh, we, you know, we're still making enough money to take a vacation now and then. Um, is it as lucrative as it was? No, it, no. It, it, it's not. And Lil sees that every day. We see that every single day. And, um, but, you know, the, the, there's work still out there, uh, particularly now in the public sector. Uh, I think going forward with the new administration, there's going to be a lot of infrastructure um, work. Uh, the private sector has come back sort of in the residential market. It hasn't started to come back really in the commercial market yet, um, uh, but it ultimately will, I suspect. Uh, so there's a lot of public work out there, but public work is demanding. It's competitive. Uh, the margins, <clears throat> the margins in competitive work, uh, in public work, are small, relatively speaking, because of the word competition. And I'm not saying it's a bad word. I'm just saying that that's what <laughs> that's what that's what we face uh-huh. uh, in, in in the public sector. And, and we're a public sector company. So, are we as lucrative as we used to be? No. no. Are, are we still in business? Yes. The the <clears throat> our world, the construction world, changed drastically. Um, especially after 2008, the the profit margins just went down so low because people were just struggling to stay in business. So companies would bid low with next to nothing as a profit margin just to keep their workers um, employed. You know, like Vinny said, they would be the companies would be committed to their employees, wanting to make sure that the employees had a job, and so they took work knowing that um, at least the bills were getting paid. Mm. the The profit margin wasn't there, but the bills were getting paid, and that's and that has continued. It's gotten a little bit better, but not never. Uh, it hasn't reached the way it used to be before uh, 2008. Is it, is, so this is what I found. I found that as a small minority contractor particularly, you can actually make a pretty good profit. Um, if you, uh, advice that you often got gave that often people don't follow. <laughs> don't take really big jobs. 
if you take smaller jobs, if you take the, the you know a series of fifty thousand or twenty thousand right. or thirty thousand right. dollar jobs, uh, those type of jobs often will be done in a month. Yes, and uh, you likely would potentially get paid within thirty days. Right. Yeah. And so if you're <clears throat> completing a job every month, every thirty days, idealistically, you would get money coming in to run your business. And if you got a really juicy relationship, you might get paid a little sooner, or you might get paid on we call it, you know, paid on time. Time, you know, time is done, you and you're paid. And so I have found smaller companies, if you operate like that, at least starting up you increase your success of having what we call more capital cash flow. So my question to you, Lil, is do you find even after startup and the company is existing, you know, now, so, you know, you got a company that's going to, you're, you're in the same pool of geodonal construction. You're, you know, you know, you don't get a pass. All you get to do is you could, you could still bid on a $60 million project or whatever you want, but you still have to be able to carry that project. I guess my question is: Is the field st- is the is the profit margin or it being lucrative? Is it still more of an advantage for the smaller company still in the changing market than it is for the larger companies? The what I've said, what what I've said fifteen years ago, I believe still holds true, and Vinny can um, uh, chime in on this one. I feel that starting up as a small business, that working, uh, uh, taking the smaller jobs, uh, you you get it costs you less uh, um, in expenses over the long run because you're getting the job done quicker, uh, you're getting your money quicker, and then you can go and bid on the next job, and doing five or six of of those a year or ten, depending on you know what staff that you have. Uh, you can make a decent living, whereas you take uh, a, a million-dollar job, uh, a $900,000 job, it takes longer. You don't get paid on time. There's all kind, you're relying on a whole bunch of different trades to, to carry you through. There, the, the, the margin of error is so much higher, that, and that's eating into your profit. Uh, a small business always has to realize that there's always something eating into that small profit that you're getting. So the the less of liab- the smaller amount of liabilities, the smaller amount of chances that you're taking, the more money you're making. Sounds like a 401k. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. So it sounds like the 401k. It, it, Listen, it's a small risk. It, Put your money in the slot machine. Use the penny use the penny slots, right? It, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's how you build a reputation. That's how you build some equity into your business because again, you know, in our public world environment, there, there's it, your schedule is not your own. Right. You go in, and let's say you're the sheetrocker, and Vinny will say to you, or Vinny, or you know, Chris, Vinny's project manager, you got to have this done in five days. And your guys, if it takes you 24 hours um, every single day, I don't care. You got to get this done, right. and because we have the electrician waiting right behind you. And if your guys can't do it, all of a sudden you have a delay claim, or you have a penalty, or you're thrown off the job. It's stuff like that that eats into your money. That's right. And it's stuff like that where if you don't have years of experience and the workforce to to do that, again, that all eats into your money. 
So I've been saying, and I think I'll probably say forever, start with the small jobs. Get used to doing, uh, go into work with a smaller, a larger company and develop those skills and, and make money for 10 or 15 years. If you're just joining us today on Urban Talk Radio, we're talking about the future of urban construction. You can join this conversation on Facebook and Bold Minds at Twitter at Facebook. You can also stream this show live on our smartphone on your smartphone by logging on to newhavenindependent.org. As we get ready to close, we got about two minutes. I just want to um, ask the two of you in the closing of the show just some advice. You know, like. It's 2016, the end of 2016. We're going into 2017. Everybody is anxious about a lot of different things, you know, with the new president. He's a businessman. We know that. Um, And I believe, too, is that he's going to invest a lot that is going to benefit business in America, including small businesses. Because when big construction business makes money, there's there's always money around for the smaller companies, especially with the checks and balances that have been put in place with the percentages. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. So uh, I'll start. I'll go back to you, uh, Mr. Giordano. Just uh, we'll, we'll bring it to the Strong School Project. Uh, it's $44 million. People want to be involved. Companies want to get involved. Right now it's December. Project is looking to potentially break ground in terms of its you know, actual construction around September. What what should small companies be doing really right now over the next six months, per se, to get ready? Well, <clears throat> first, let me um, take off on what Lil just said before I answer that. And um, that is a small business with small projects, a lot of small projects. Um, uh, it's a good way to get started because the focus on um, – getting started successfully is cash flow, keeping the cash flow going and keeping your overhead um, relatively small so that you, you, you do have cash at the end of the day. As it relates uh, to, um, as they start to grow and uh, they've been successful with smaller projects, keep keeping their overhead at a minimum, keeping the cash flow um, going and, and they've learned the ability to not only start a job, but to complete a job and close out a job so that they can get paid. Uh, that's where the money, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the money starts to build up in the bank account. As it relates to Strong School, yes, uh, we have larger contracts there uh, that sw- small businesses have an ability to subcontract with the larger firms in order to get work. But we also have a unique uh, aspect to the strong school program, and that's what we uh, have termed um, as the showcase demonstration project, where we're going to have a segment or, or se- maybe several segments of the school that we are going to carve out, if you will, for uh, smaller contractors. Uh, those um, contracts typically would be uh, the 150. $50 million and below range in order to qualify for the, as a small business to bid those contracts. We hope with the administration of this new um, program, if you will, this um, showcase program that we will be able to attract smaller contracts, contractors as primes, and they will be able to control 
we will help them control their disciplines, their production, their ability to requisition on time, get, get paid more timely, uh, rather than get absorbed as a third tier, second or third tier contractor with a much larger contractor who has many fish to fry. And by the time you get paid, um, you know, you may be, it may be down the road. So that's one of the things that we're doing with Strong School that we feel is unique uh, in a sense in order to help some of the smaller contractors get some of the work, get the ability to participate, but to participate profitably. So that's our goal and our objective. And we'll, we'll be working towards that. And Lil Snyder, any last uh, highlights for any of the aspiring or established contractors out there? Oh, yes. You know, because on this school, we have time. It's a perfect opportunity. It's almost like as if, you know, we have um, uh, the stars all lined up in the right direction. Uh, we have the opportunity to say, come in, get, your, get all your ducks in a row, get your paperwork done, may, maybe even bid on a small city job so that you get into the flow of how public work works, so that you get used to how the schedule works, so that you're not going into that, um, into that project totally new and not knowing how things operate. It would be, uh, I'm really looking forward to working uh, with Vinny on the Strong School and having it as a, as a success. And with us having the time, we can say, here are a couple of steps that you need to do so that you can be successful and make money. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to make money. Yes. Yes. And in order to make money, we got to follow a certain, especially in the public world, you got to follow a whole bunch of steps. Got to follow our rules. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, then you make money. Yep. It's like playing poker. <laughs> yep. But you don't show your hand. Yep. I mean, <laughs> to be ready to get paid. <laughs> uh, those rules apply to everything. Yes, yes. If Vinny doesn't follow the rules, he won't get they paid. Won't get paid. Uh, if the state doesn't follow, if New Haven doesn't follow the rules, they, they don't get paid. Yeah. So it's. Start early, come into the office. We're here at City Hall every single day. Let's start the paperwork. Let's get everything that you need in place. Even talk about what it's going to cost you to get your insurances and what it's going to cost you to pay your taxes uh, so that when you put, when that in September, whenever that, that day is that you have to step foot on that job, you are 100% ready. You know, it's like playing a sport. How many times do we go to practice? before we step foot on that on the day of game game day it, right. it let's do the same thing i'll, I'll just uh, mention that there's no substitute however for good work ethic and good work habits and uh you're in working long hard days if it's necessary to achieve all the goals um you know there's just no free ride i mean you know you have to work out there both at your trade and at the business part of it. Uh, and there's just no substitute for that. If you just joined our show today, we were talking about the future of urban construction in the studio today. Our guest was Lil Snyder. She is the director of the New Haven small business development program. Correct. Correct. And thank you for joining us on the show today. And Vincent Giordano, who is the vice president of Giordano Construction, thank you for joining us in the studio today as well. Thank you. If you My miss, pleasure. If you miss any part of this live broadcast on Urban Talk Radio, 
You can join our blog at boldminds.co to keep current on our latest show and show schedules. Remember, Urban Talk Radio airs every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Thank you for tuning in to Urban Talk Radio. And remember, buildings should sustain a community and not restrain a community.